Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. I left my gum in. Anyone ever take speech and you get downgraded because you have gum in your mouth? I'm going to leave this here for Scott Jones. He'll want to chew that on Sunday when, when he's preaching. I'm just kidding. Uh, so we were back there and they were talking about... They were talking about... <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about, uh, they were talking about uh, mustard, and the guy that just took the gum was like, dude, you should never eat any kind of food that has the word turd in it. But Taylor, frozen custard has the word turd in it, and frozen custard is good. Hey, I am glad that you guys are here tonight. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, man, we started out a little shallow week one. Last week, we started to jump in, and tonight... We are asking you guys to go to the deep end of the pool. We are asking you guys to um, look inward a little bit and to consider uh, what God may have for you tonight. Remember last week we talked about being fertile soil, being ready to receive the truth of God's word. And I really want that for you guys tonight, okay? Um, So that being said, I want to tell you a little story about um, my favorite fishing hole growing up. There was a lake in Papillion called Schweers Lake. It was on right, uh, if, if there was a four-way crossing and my high school was here, uh, my, this place I like to fish was right over here. And it was the place that I learned to fish. And I remember one day I was going fishing alone. Uh, and this is one of the last times that I went fishing alone. And you'll find out soon why that is. I was walking around. I enjoy wade fishing, so I have my swim trunks on. And... Um, I was walking around, I'd catch a fish every now and again, have my tackle box just draped around my body, and all of a sudden I stepped over a log, and I stepped onto the lake bottom, and my body went like this, it went, whew, and like I went in like halfway up my, up my shin, and any of you rednecks that like to walk around like rivers and lakes, you know that, that pond or, or stream bottom that like eats your shoes? This is what I was doing. I tried to lift back up, and I was like, dang, my shoe's coming off. I was like, I had to do something about this. So I did the dumbest thing ever. Here's what I did. I was like, well, I'm just going to step over the log and, and, like, push. And then with this leg, I went up to my knee. And I was like, man, what in the world am I going to do now? And I was like, so I, like, I got to lean back and get this leg out. And I leaned back, and I went from my shin all the way up to my hip. And I was like, I'm, I'm starting to panic a little bit. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever had those nightmares about, uh, um, like, quicksand. Ever had a nightmare about something like that? Man, I was living it. And so as I started to struggle, I mean, I was, like, panicking. My heart started racing. And I was like, man, what am I going to do? Nobody's here. Uh, nobody could even hear me. Nobody knows that I'm here. I'm struggling, struggling. I am not kidding you. Before I got done... I was up to my chest in this muck, and the water was like up to my shoulders. And I thought to myself, this is how it ends. No, literally all they're going to find is a fishing pole, and there will be like no body of Josh Sykes. They'll like wonder what happened to me. I am going to be immortalized in the bottom of Schweer's Lake. I thought that was going to be my demise, and I was going to, I was like going to die alone And like, I was just completely, utterly stuck. I don't know if you guys have ever found yourselves in that circumstance 
of being completely, utterly stuck, not just physically, but in life. You're like, this is going nowhere. What do I do next? Nothing is ever going to change. There is no hope. And man, I'm telling you, it may sound really dumb. I felt completely powerless, hopeless, and with, without any speck of anything changing. In that moment, in the middle of that muck and mire. Hey guys, tonight I want to talk to you about strongholds. Because that's what strongholds do to you. Strongholds grab a hold of you, and it's almost like the barbs on fishing hooks. The, the hook will go in, and the barb keeps it from going out. And all it does is it keeps sinking deeper and deeper, and it keeps you from getting away. And that's, that's, what, I, that's what strongholds are. And some of you tonight, I understand that some of you tonight have no clue what I'm talking about when I say strongholds are being stuck. Because some of you fall in this category where you're like, yeah, I make stupid choices. What about it? I'm good with it. It doesn't really even bother me. I'm just here because the band flipping rocks the house and Parker is hilarious during announcements. That's why I'm here. And she might notice me if I'm here. And so I might have a chance to get a homecoming date still. You know? Some of you are there for that reason. You aren't necessarily the ones that I want to talk directly to tonight, but you might need to hear me. Some of you are followers of Jesus, and you've chosen to unite your life with Christ, and occasionally you're making a mistake now and then. And you're falling down, and, and you pick yourself up, and you fall down, and you have people next to you to help pick you up. You're not necessarily the ones that I want to talk to tonight. Tonight, students... Many of you in this room, many of you in this room, you feel stuck. You feel hopeless and you feel powerless against your sin. There are circumstances about your life that you feel like you cannot stand up against and there is nothing that you can do to change your circumstance. And some of you are even like angry at God because you're going, nothing's ever going to change. You can't change a thing about this because my entire life, nothing has ever been different. This is the hand that I've been dealt. Nothing is ever going to change. And some of you shake your fist at God. I want to talk to you tonight. And some of you are in this place where you're hearing this lie that no one else is struggling with what I'm struggling with. God, I am alone in this. Nobody could ever understand the pain, the abandonment, the hurt, the shame. There is no way I can talk about where I'm stuck because of the shame in the embarrassment. I want to talk to you tonight. And some of you students, you've surrendered yourself and you've said, this is just the way that I am. I've tried to fight this. 
I've tried to struggle. I, I've tried with all of my energy to get out. So this is just who I am. I want to talk to you tonight. Because students, God has not intended for you to live in the bondage of strongholds for even one minute of your life. And it is so important, students, that you understand that. So what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to share a story from Scripture from a, a, a man that kind of really laid out what that struggle sounds like. And I want to give you some hope moving forward. So before we do that, I want to pray. I want to pray, and then we're going to jump into this. Father, Father, you know the hurts in this room. You know the hang-ups. You know the habits. You know the, the stories in this room, Father. You have cried with every hurtful moment. Your heart has been broken over every expectation that has been missed. And Father, I pray that tonight you prepare the hearts of these students to receive your truth because there is so much truth to be had. And Father, I just ask and I beg that their ears would be ready not just to hear, but to listen. I ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So what are the things that, that help us, help us, that keep us stuck? I boiled it down to this one thing, students, is when we have listened to the lies of the world around us long enough, we start to internalize what we're hearing. And, and we start to receive those lies as truth. And when we do that, we're allowing the world around us to define who we are, how we should live, and what our hang-ups and hurts are. And I don't know how many times that you found yourself in that position where you've heard what someone else has said about you and you've taken it as truth. Man, you're never going to be any good. How could anybody love you? You are never going to be good enough. Those probably sound very familiar to you. Because I want to warn you guys about something is what exists in our world, there's spiritual warfare going on. There is one side of a battle that wants to give you life, and there's one side of a battle that wants to do nothing but destroy you. And these two sides are at constant war. And that is one thing that you have to understand is it's not simply about the decisions that you're making or the decisions that you're not making. The world is out to destroy you. The enemy, God's enemy, Satan, wants to destroy you physically and wants to destroy you spiritually. And God is wanting to stand in opposition of that. And I've talked to you guys uh, I think that was two weeks ago when I said the whole reason that I am here at this church is because I want to bring truth and hope to your generation. 
And so for all of the lies that we hear, I beg and plead that you might give the truth of God's word just a chance to take root. So in saying that, if you guys have your Bible app, Bibles or if you have your Bible apps open, I want you to open up to Romans chapter 7. And I'm going to share with you tonight a man that was very transparent and honest about that war that was raging inside of him. His name's Paul. He was not a perfect man. In fact, for much of his life, he was, a, uh, he was the type of person that um, loved pointing fingers and loved pointing out what everybody else was doing wrong. He persecuted the church. He, he threw Christians in jail, likely uh, oversaw Christians that were put to death just to tell you what kinds of people that God is willing to use. Paul is one of those. He was the lowest of the low. And in chapter 7, verse 14, excuse me, starting with verse 15, I want you to hear these words that he wrote to this church in Rome. He said, I want you to know that I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do that. And if I do what I don't want to do, I agree that the law is good, and it is no longer myself who do it, but the sin that is living within me. He is feeling this, this battle inside of him of his sinful nature that is driving him to do things that he doesn't want to do, and he feels powerless at, its, at the mercy of his sinful nature. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do not the good that I want to do, no, the evil I do not want to do, this is what I keep on doing. Does that sound familiar? The things that I absolutely do not want to do, I find myself at their mercy, doing them over and over and over again, making that choice again and again and again, even though I know that it's not good for me and it's not what God is wanting from me, I find myself there time after time after time. And after each moment, I hate myself a little more, a little more, a little more. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's the sin living in me that does it. Can you hear the stuckness, the stronghold, the bondage? He says, when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Even when my heart wants to do what's right, right next to me, I hear evil going, you don't need to do that. You shouldn't do that again. You're not good enough to do that. You know what? The people at that church, they really don't want to listen to you. Your coach, he, they really don't want to hear your story. So when you have the desire to even begin to do what is good, he's saying, evil is right there next to me, begging and pleading and reaching out and going, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, 
waging war. Hear that phrase? Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law at sin that works within my members. And listen to what he says. If this doesn't sound stuck, I don't know what does. What a wretched man am I? Who will rescue me from this body of death? When I was stuck in the bottom of that lake, the more that I fought it, the more that I fought it, the deeper I went. Every time that I struggled, I went a little deeper. Every time that I, that I got frustrated and it didn't matter how angry I got, I would sink a little lower and a little lower and a little lower. It wasn't until I threw everything out of my hands and I simply laid down that my feet started to rise up out of that mud and I felt myself coming free. And I crawled nasty through this nasty, stinky, smelly black sludge to the bank. And I just sat there. And it was ridiculous. It wasn't until the moment that I quit fighting that freedom from my bondage came. Students, that may sound like a very shallow example. But I want to tell you that I know exactly what it feels like to be stuck spiritually. I know exactly what it feels like to feel the weight of how God wants me to live and feeling like there is no hope for me to live up to that expectation. I know what it's like to feel like I need to get it perfect if God is ever going to love me. I know what that feels like. I've been there. I know what it feels like to be hopeless and to feel like nothing is ever going to change about this circumstance. I'm tired of fighting. I'm just going to give up. You find yourself in that moment, it's very important that you don't stop reading what Paul says. Because in verse 25... Verse 24, he says, what a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me from the body, this body of death? He follows it up with this. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He recognized the only place. It wasn't about trying harder. It was about understanding where freedom comes from. And you know, I was thinking about my circumstance when I was in that lake, there's, there's two things that could have helped me in my freedom. One was if I would have stopped fighting right away. And, I, and I've encountered these situations again because I still wade fish and I've learned that I just have to surrender myself to the circumstance and I'm going to be really dirty and messy on the other end, but that's what I have to do to get free if I'm all by myself. The other option... 
I've pretty much quit fishing alone. One, it's no fun because no one ever believes you when you've caught a huge fish, right? But I've had to have people help me out of that circumstance. Again, students, how about your spiritual life? You've got options. You have coaches that have chosen you to be on their team. You have coaches that have said, I want that student in this group for this circumstance. And you have people that want to walk beside you in your relationship with Jesus. And I believe full-heartedly that God has put them next to you to be a hand. Say, let me get you out of that. Can I help you? And students, you have to say yes or no. And in addition to that, you're going to have to surrender yourself to the circumstance. And you know what? So many of you tonight have absolute, stinky, putrid nastiness in your world that you are stuck to here. And you're hiding it. Because you're nervous about what it's going to look like because you're going to have to be messy to get out of it. And people are going to see your filth and they're going to see your mistakes. Try freedom. Because as long as you stay in that circumstance, you're going to feel hopeless. You're going to feel powerless. I want to leave you with this. In Romans chapter 8, because this is the last thing that keeps us stuck, students. You think there's condemnation for your circumstance. You think people are going to stand in judgment and they're going to point fingers and they will not accept you because of the filth that is on you. Paul said this, he said, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen to this, students. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. He realized that he had been set free and it was from nothing that he did to gain freedom. It was through completely what Jesus Christ did. God does not want you to be in bondage to your strongholds. He wants you to walk and live in freedom. And students, you have an opportunity tonight to accept that truth and to live that truth out in the community with your coaches, with your team, and to take a risk and go, I need help. None of us can force that on you. But all I can tell you is I want freedom for you. And God wants to pull you out of that disgusting mess that you're living in so that you no longer feel powerless. Father, I know that there's reluctance in this room. I know that there is fear. I know that in the minds of these students, that the lies, Father, are raging in their head right now. They're hearing phrases like, I cannot share what my struggles are.
Nobody will, nobody will love me if I'm transparent. I know that the lie through their, their head, I know they're hearing it, God. They're hearing that there is no way that God will forgive me for what I've done because I can't forgive myself. Father, that is a lie and it is from the enemy. And Lord, I pray against that, that Lord, they would wrap their arms around the truth that you do not condemn them, but you have brought freedom through your son. Help them to hear that truth and receive that truth in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.